finale is our house. This is Overtime Penalty Show. Lewis, we are back with our reoccurring segment, Why is U.S. Soccer So Bad? Uh, we're here to talk about... Will we ever really answer that question? No, never, never, ever. Uh, until we win the World Cup, and then we'll say we'll never win the World Cup again. So, my God, I forgot to I, I forgot to introduce you, Lewis. I'm so sorry. Uh, this is Penalty Show. I'm here with Lewis. They they they, they know I'm here, dude. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. I for just wanted to make sure. Skipping me over. Here. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so Lewis, the presidential, not that one, the U.S. soccer presidential election is coming up. I believe it's this Saturday, uh, probably during the preseason game that we're going to attend, uh, for the LA galaxy. But Lewis, there are as many as 800 people running for uh president, or it could just be eight people. I'm not sure. Um, there's a lot of people running for for uh, U.S. soccer president. To me, it reminds me of the uh, special uh, Californian gover- gubernatorial <laughs> election yeah. where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger ended up winning. But I believe there was a bunch of like I think like Angeline uh, the and and like a porn star Mary Carey I think ran. <laughs> I think was that the election? Is that the one that Arnold won? Yeah, that's the one that Arnold won. <laughs> Oh, um, so we have uh, we have politics. <laughs> we have quite a few candidates here. Uh, the the I believe the top one is probably Kathy Carter, who uh, is currently the president of Soccer United Marketing, otherwise known as Some, otherwise known as the company that brings Juventus to come and play Real Madrid at Dodger Stadium uh, in the summer. Uh, they also. Uh, are the marketing arm of MLS and U.S. Soccer, so they she obviously is well entrenched with everybody, and probably is has a really really high chance of winning. Um, and I, you know, with her in charge, I I'm not too sure what she is going to stand for, but I I really do see this one as a status quo pick. Uh, next up, we have Carlos Corrido who is the current vice president of U.S. soccer and former Golden Sachs executive. So let's just, uh, I'm just going to let people make their own assumptions as to, uh, that's probably a bad pick. <laughs> <clears throat> um, we also have uh, our favorite Chola, uh, Hope Solo, who probably needs access to that, uh, that, that pool of uh, U.S. soccer minivans. So she and her husband can go uh, driving around drunk, uh, allegedly. Uh, she probably has no chance of winning. I I will put her as the Mary Carey of this race. <laughs> no arguments from me there. <laughs> None whatsoever. Uh, we have Steve Gans, who is a Boston attorney and actually uh, went to oppose Gulati before he decided to, uh, or he announced that he was not going to run for re-election uh, we have Kyle Martino, who uh, I I offered to interview him for the uh, prestigious LA is our house podcast, this very show, Lewis, and he declined. Um, I don't know if he has a chance of winning. Uh, I honestly think that uh, the only reason he has a decent chance is because he people recognize his name 
you know, over, say, Steve Gans or Curido or the next person, Michael Winogard. Uh, I don't know who this guy is, and he probably isn't going to win. So we <laughs> don't have to talk about him. And then a name who I had no idea was running, former U.S. Galaxy, I mean, U.S. Galaxy, <laughs> former L.A. Galaxy player, Paul Caligiri. I had no uh, idea he was running. running. I had no idea he was running. Chances are nobody else does, so he's probably not going to win. But the front runner and and pick of probably you know some 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 very divisive. Uh, let's just let's go on a limb and say divisive players. Uh, the the pick of some is Eric Winalda, former U.S. Uh, men's national team star, former coach of. Uh, uh, Sacramento, I believe, and and uh, he coached another USL team from like Skype or something. I don't remember which which uh, thing he was, and also a Fox analyst and commentator, um, Eric Winalda. Um, I did get a chance to talk to Eric Winalda and uh, and and ask him a couple of questions about US soccer um, that I will insert into this podcast. Um. Lewis, out of all of these people, what do you think? Um, well, I had stated months back that um, I believe when we failed to make the World Cup, I believe when our good friend Riley McManus was on the show, uh, or maybe it was a super pod with MLS Aces, actually, and that might have been it. Um, they had mentioned Eric Winalda, and I had said, you know, funny thing is, is that I actually back you up on this. I actually think that he would be my pick. Now, I think to this day, it probably still stands, although the comparisons to Trump have really, really made me just kind of hit the brakes a bit. <laughs> um, because the more and more I look at it, the more and more I see the similarities. Um, but this is this is one of those cases where where the actual the, ele- the the presidential election, the, the the one for the United States president presidential election, when people were frustrated saying, we need someone outside of Washington to come in here. Well, we know what, what a bad idea that was. Um, you need someone from Washington in there, or at the very least, you need someone with, someone that is familiar with Washington, but with ideologies that may stir things up in a positive way. Um, I think the difference in this election, and for me, as far as Eric Winalda, is that I truly do feel that he wants a positive change. Him being a former uh, U.S. soccer player who's been to a World Cup, who obviously has a, uh, a high interest in the team, um, wants to see this team that has been dubbed a you know a future world cup winner but i've heard it many times as well i've heard it from fans i've heard it from foreigners um they've told me when the united states is serious about soccer when they want to win the world cup they're gonna win it and there's nothing that the world's gonna do to be able to stop them when they really truly take the sport seriously they're gonna be a juggernaut they're gonna be the next brazil and um, I believe it. I truly do. There's absolutely no reason for the United States that with with all the resources that they have, they're the best at every other sport. 
the ones that they want to be good at, they are. They're the best. Um, there's no reason for a soccer to be any different. But there has to be a change in the mentality, in the culture, in the way we do business um, in the Federation. Because obviously there's a big flaw. Um, Eric Ronaldo, I feel, understands that these changes need to happen. But like most people who, uh, who run for president uh, of the country, um, previous elections, future elections, they want to make a difference. Will they actually do it? That's a lot trickier to do. And for sure. I, and I think that this is where the the real challenge will come in with um, if you were to pick someone outside of U.S. soccer. So, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to pick someone who's within the organization who probably won't have any uh, any change whatsoever or very little change or very meaningless change. Um, I would want something to change in a way that moves the sport forward. But how exactly do you do that? And I don't really think any of the candidates really have put out a plan a detailed plan in order to implement that. Hell, I can give you the exact same answers. I can tell you like, well, how do you change this? Well, the mentality of the fan and the culture needs to change and you need to get these, you know, these big sports networks talking more about this and you need to get the sport out there and you need to reach out to kids and, you know, have them play soccer when they're young. I'm like, that's great. How do you do it? Yeah, that's a lot trickier to do. It, it's impossible. It's it's not it's not an easy task, and and it's almost not to get more political here. It it almost makes more sense to have almost like a U.S. soccer Senate and have uh, representatives or or senators from each state to that's do right. their we, own. We need, that's right. We what we need is more gridlock. That's right. Yeah. Um. You know. Oddly enough, I didn't know you were Republican, Lewis. Uh, oddly enough, uh, you know, it's, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to, to know if, you know, for one person to, to cover the entire span of the United States, because if you listen to a lot of people talk, you, you know, you have the, you have the residency in Florida, you have the academies in, in California, in Texas, in, in New Jersey, where a lot of talent has come out of. But what's happening everywhere else? I mean, there's so many kids. There's a million kids out there that will never get looked at by the establishment but because you, it's too small. But you also have to realize that even in in football, American football, most of the, the recruitment is coming from Texas. It's coming from California. It's coming from, um, say, like uh, states that, you know, tend to take the sport a little bit more seriously, like the Michigans, the Alabamas, the Louisianas. Um, they're they're going to be focused on, on those states. I don't really think there's going to be too much recruitment in, say, Idaho. I don't think there's going to be too much recruit, cr- recruitment in, say, the, in the, uh, the, the Dakotas or the Hawaii's. Um, or, you know, you're really not going to get too much out of those states. Um, the big stars, those five-star players, those five-star recruits that colleges go go after, they're going to come from the big major states. I don't think soccer is going to be any different. I'm sure that there's going to be that one shining star in South Dakota that may or may not get discovered. But the way the culture is with football, 
we don't need to. They have enough talent in uh, in the state that they're looking at already. But but look That's at the but look at the culture. But, go, right, but look at the culture of football. Look right. at look at how many. Okay, so you you can go probably probably just at your job, Lewis. You can collect a, enough people that are knowledgeable about football to be able to teach a generation about football. Absolutely. About how the game is played, about all the little all the little intricacies of football. There's not enough of that in soccer in this right. in this country. And yeah. that's it's a cultural thing. It is a cultural thing. So that's that's one of the things that needs to change. So if you were to ask one of these candidates how do you change that, they're going to give you a very general answer. They're going to give well, you an answer that any one of us can can answer. Say, well, well Lewis, the correct an- the correct answer is the answer that nobody wants to hear. Do Would you know you? what that answer is? By all means. Time. Um, yes. I, I believe that is a, a factor that, that plays into it. Um, obviously, if you were to look at uh, the time when Eric Ronaldo played, so let's just say 1994 to now, obviously there is a big jump in the popularity of the sport. There's been a big jump in the coverage of the sport. There's been a big jump as far as uh, the the league. Uh, remember that there was no league in 1994. Um, and even if you were to say, okay, 1996, the, the league has risen in popularity. It has gained um, more respect. And little by little, the culture is changing. What was once a very small uh, circle of you know fans has grown um substantially since uh the the united states hosted the world cup in 1994 but when you compare that circle of fans today to the circles of football or basketball or baseball it is still this tiny little speck that can't compete with the other sports yet yep and that has to change and we've talked about this several times that you know you can have a regular you know, football game, uh, week three, and they're going to get significantly more coverage than the United States missing the World Cup. Um, that's that's a problem because the major story would be the World Cup. It wouldn't be what happened in the NFL in week number three. We love football so much that we fucking watch amateurs play. We watch college. We it's watch big amateurs. and it's big we love business it so much that some people go even further back. And watch high school. They watch like even like pre-amateurs. Yeah. That's how much we love the sport. We wouldn't be able to tell you um, the the, uh, the the college games in soccer. It's never ever covered. No. Ever. Even even for even for people who pay close attention to soccer in this country, I can tell you who's good in college soccer. Yeah, I mean the the, the Stanford. I mean, there, there are people who obviously are more knowledgeable than us. But the, the point is, is that you're probably going to have to do a little bit more research than you probably should. Um, right. I can probably find, you know, information about high school stars that they're going, you know, that are going to end up going to, you know, the Alabamas or the USC's or, you know, the Florida's or whoever. And you'll be able to find information pretty easily. Yeah. That's not going to happen in soccer. No. Um, very, very rare. Um that you're going to get that type of information. 
Um, and that's obviously something that needs to change. And again, it, it's tricky to, to actually try to give an answer as to how to fix that problem. And yes, time is a, a factor that definitely plays in there. And obviously Americans are extremely impatient. Um, they're not going to want to sit and wait, especially after missing a World Cup. They, they need to turn around right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so th they're going to be expecting big things, which is why the loss of Jonathan Gonzalez to Mexico probably hurt more um, this time around than if the United States had qualified. Yeah. Um, that That's probably why uh, this uh, presidential election is actually um, has turned uh, into a circus, but at the same time, it's turned important because, okay, well, now that you're in charge, you're saying that, you know, you inherited a mess. So by all means, fix it. And right. as of right now, I don't see any candidate in there giving a detailed um, answer as to th the problems that currently exist in the Federation. Uh, granted that Winalda seems to be the one that wants to make the changes the most. And that's probably why I'm backing him up. Whether or not he can implement that um, is yet to be seen. Right. Well, and speaking of which, let's take a listen to uh, what Winalda had to say. I, I, I had a brief moment with him. I got to ask him three questions. Um, so uh, let's let's take a listen to that. So you're running for U.S. soccer president. Um, and uh, we're here based in L.A., we cover the LA Galaxy and we cover the national team from our perspective. Um, this is the only game that LA fans get, is the, the January game. Usually it's a less than flashy opponent. Um, why do you think US soccer is afraid of giving a tougher opponent? Um, even, you know, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to do a Mexico or Argentina or Brazil or anything like that. Why, why do you think they do Scandinavian teams or Eastern European teams in January? Well, it's, it's always been um, understood that at this time of year, a national team coach has attempted to evaluate some new talent. So, okay, I'll be back. me personally, I, uh, I remember in my playing days and when I would coach with Bruce or Bob that uh, they, they didn't ever want to get embarrassed. They, they wanted to make sure that they when they assembled a team of guys that are getting their first taste of the national team, that maybe it was unfair to, to, to put them into, into a position against a, a big game of Mexico or, or a Brazil or Argentina. Um, we have enough trouble with those guys anyway. Right. But I, I think it's a mentality. I think that, that uh, you know, over the years, we've always viewed the, the January month as an opportunity to develop some of the younger guys. So maybe it hasn't been an A-list, but it certainly, certainly has been um, an opportunity for some guys, some young guys to get eased into the system. Um, don't you think that bringing in uh, somebody, somebody that would would bring maybe a hostile crowd, would maybe? Um... Yes, I'm. I'm. In, I, look, I'm not saying that I agree with any of that. Okay. I think that as as you know the way that we viewed it and. In the event that I, I happen to be president, I, I believe that we create the most competitive environment on every single occasion that we can for our national team. We put them in, in the positions where they can grow the most and the quick, uh, as quickly as possible. This, to me, is just a, um, an exercise, mm -hmm. um, and there's nobody here to see it. Okay. 
um, with the with the flip of, of Jonathan Gonzalez to uh, Mexico, I hear a lot of people talking about um, U.S. soccer referring to uh, needing to grab the Latin player, needing to get the Latin player, uh, you know, enticing them over. When is U.S. soccer going to stop thinking about Latin players as Latin players and just see them as good players and approach them the way they would any other good player? I think that getting rid of that sort of marker on them is, is the way to bring them over. Well, I, look, we're all in this together. That's, that's, that's a great way of putting it with the way you just did. Is the reality is that they, they've already created some, uh, some divide there, which I don't agree with either. I think in the case of Jonathan Gonzalez, this is clearly a young, talented player that uh, didn't feel that this was going to be the best competitive opportunity for him to stay in the United States. So um, we lost him for various reasons, and, and we could go in, we could go into all of them um, on this on this interview, but uh, that's that's not necessary. The, the reality is is that there are hundreds of Jonathan Gonzalez's out there. And I would say this, is that the United States needs to stop pretending uh, to, be, to be a country uh, that's, that's not discriminating, because we are. Right. Um, a lot of people talk about MLS's uh, job is not to develop the, the U.S. soccer pool. Um, it's to, to develop the league. How is U.S. soccer trying to wedge their way into getting that developmental player? No, look, it's, it's, it's Major League Soccer's job uh, to, com to, to create the most competitive environment that they possibly can. Part of the problem at times is the fact that our federation doesn't comply with uh, the FIFA bylaws, which, which allows our league to kind of do whatever they want. Um, we, we, can't, you know, we can't complain about um, certain things until we make the necessary changes to allow the league to prosper. Right now, there's, there's the idea or the belief that, that we're doing all that we can for our players through uh, Major League Soccer. I disagree with that. I think that um, there are plenty of steps that can be made to make us better. All right, Lewis. So we heard Eric Ronaldo's own words. Um, I asked him, obviously, uh, let's talk about the first thing, uh, and I asked him about how he feels about creating a... a more competition or, or U.S. soccer being afraid to create more competition for uh, the January camp. What did you think about his his take on, on that? Um, in a way, I kind of agree with it. I mean, in a, in a camp that you are, again, it, it's a meaningless camp. Um, it, it really doesn't do too much. The, the players that you're trying to develop um, in this camp, very, very, very few end up being um, real factors in, on the first team, uh, you know, later on that year or, you know, the, in that particular World Cup cycle. Um, it is, uh, it is a, uh, a camp full of uh, domestic players, which is um, not a bad thing, but um, it, it's certainly not as... Um, like you said, it, it's not as flashy as uh, you would say a camp right before even a gold cup, um, right. in which uh, 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 that that tournament as you know may not be as prestigious as other tournaments around the world, but it is still a, a competition that we should be winning. And well, I mean, listen to what he said. He said uh, that one of the things that that U.S. soccer, it, the establishment of U.S. soccer, the previous one, not not the way he feels. 
um, they don't want to get embarrassed. And one of the things that, to me, missing out on the World Cup because you didn't gender the competition necessary to push these players is embarrassing. Um, um, I have to agree with that. I, I really don't have too much of a rebuttal other than um, if you're talking about players who – if you're talking about players that you know will be in um, in a World Cup cycle, if you're talking about like the Altadors and the Bradleys and um, – you know, the politics, for example, if you're scheduling um, games just to basically make them feel good about themselves, if you're scheduling games that you know that they're going to win, um, there's a problem with that. If you're scheduling games um, for players that really have a very, very slim chance of actually making the first team, honestly, it, it's something that really doesn't matter. Um, I think it's kind of a weak excuse on my part because why wouldn't you want to challenge these kids um why wouldn't you want to give them a taste of what international competition really is because a lot of these players are making their uh their international debuts so um but i understand that there is that fear of you know hurting some uh some egos or you know discouraging some players but i've even argued against that i've said look if you cannot hack it mentally get the fuck off my team if this discourages you, get right. the fuck off my team. Right. Um, if this does, if you got your ass kicked and your mentality is, um, isn't, I'm gonna work harder to make sure this doesn't happen again. Get the fuck off my team. Yeah. Because you have no business being on there, and that right there, I don't care how much talent you have, um, especially with the state of U.S. soccer right now, I think the mentality is probably just as important as um your your skill and your talent and if it's just weak where you want to just simply get on the team um I, i'm not going to be hungrier than that i'm gonna stay in this league because i'm comfortable because i'm the big fish here there's a problem there and obviously we saw that happening and and, and it was it wasn't just a recent thing it was a trend that had started at least six seven years ago and it just basically just bit us in the ass right now so we need to reverse that trend. Um, there were a couple uh, things. I mean, I, I, I didn't go um, to the game, uh, to, to, the, uh, to that U.S. game uh, a couple of weeks back. But um, so I wasn't there while you got to interview. And by the way, the fact that he gave us an interview, we should just endorse him right there. <laughs> well, I don't want to I don't I don't want to I don't want to out and out just uh, give um a favorable uh, uh, endorsement just because he was the one to talk to us because obviously we need to keep in mind who who the, the, the right person for the job is, not necessarily the, the person that's going to do the, the glad-handing. Um, having said that, right. um, I do think that he is a very divisive uh, personality within U.S. soccer, and I do think that um, for better or for worse, he's going to bring about change. Um and, you know, unfortunately, you made that Trump comparison and um, and and much like Trump, um, we're going to see uh, a friend of mine told told me the, the other day that, uh, you know, Trump is actually good for this country because he's been the great revealer. Now we get to see exactly who all the racists are. We get to see who all the, the corporate shills are. We get to see who all the liars and the cheaters are. Um, 
now I'm not I'm not uh, equating that to to Eric Ronaldo, obviously, but um, I do find that that as a is an interesting take. And I and like I said, I think that Ronaldo is the type of person that he's very divisive. Um, he he's not afraid to speak his mind. Um, I think the divisiveness comes from the obviously we have a couple people that we follow on Twitter that are are basically going to back up Eric Ronaldo. And that um, they will jump in and criticize U.S. soccer at any at, at any turn, and they swear that what they're trying to do is help them for the better, which is fine, because a lot of the stuff that they're saying I've been saying for a very long time. You know this. Yeah. Um. So there's nothing wrong with criticism. There's nothing wrong with pointing out a problem. There is a problem with you know, I'm going to badmouth the the system, say that, well, I'm doing this to, you know, to bring about change. But what exactly are you doing to support it? These people who constantly criticize and point out the shortcomings of U.S. soccer and MLS do nothing to support either one. Um, when you ask them about, you know, these same people who are talking about blah, 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 they're like, oh, I don't want, I'm not going to watch an MLS game until they fix the problems. Like, what does that say about you? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I mean, that, that. I mean, I can't even take you seriously at that point. I, I'm saying the exact same things you are. I'm still here in the stands, supporting my team, my league, in the hopes that one day it will change. Now, I'm not sitting back and saying, "Well, what, what the hell difference am I going to make?" Well, yeah. I'm paying call, call me when you're good. Call me when you're good. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I've been there since the beginning. And I'm well aware of the shortcomings that MLS had in those first couple of years. Yeah. I pointed them out as well. You know, like, this is kind of dumb and goofy. But it's... They'll, they'll, they'll learn. And they figured it out. Okay. Um, we're at another turning point. They're doing some things that right now they think is right. Eventually, they'll come around. Yeah. Um, and it again, it, it's, it's the time thing. But the divisiveness comes from he gives those people that voice, like Trump. He gives them that voice, that platform. Hey, he's speaking for us. He gets it. He understands it. He's going to make that change. That's fair. But like most things, people people fear change. And yeah. you may ask for it. When it's actually implemented, you think it's the worst thing in the world up until you become accustomed to it. And then when you want to change that, you start defending what the, the, the current status quo is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see that all the time. Yeah. So I think that he will bring about change, whether it's good or bad. It's obviously um, we're going to take a wait and see approach. Um, But the difference between that I feel between Winalda and Trump is that Winalda has been there. He's a player. He was part of the organization. Sure. And he sees the problems. Sure. He's seen it firsthand, for sure. Right. So he... He, even as a player, probably understood the shortcomings of the league at the time. Uh, he can probably see the shortcomings of the league right now. He can see the shortcomings of U.S. soccer. He, he could see that, hey, you know what? Um, we could have been better um, <laughs> if we had done this differently at the time or done this a little bit differently or if you tweak that. So in that sense, he is sort of experienced since he was part of the system. Trump was not part of that system. And let's just be honest, he's in there for himself. He's not in there for any other reason. And I don't see that with Eric Winalda. I don't see him as a, 
I'm just using this as a personal platform. No, you're you're really, absolutely right about that. I I, I, really, I one thousand percent agree with that. I really do feel that he truly wants to bring about change, um, but whether or not he's able to implement it, whether or not he's able to accomplish it, and whether or not he is able to accomplish what he wants to do in a way that he sees fit or what in a way that he believes will bring positive change. Um, that's yet to be seen. Yeah. So um, again, it, it's a wait and see approach, but um, I think that um, if he were to bring just uh, even a, a slight positive change, um, it, it'll go a long way um, long after um, his term, should he become the president is done. Yeah. Um, he says something interesting in response to, to, uh, uh, my question about the, the, the Latin player. Um, he, he mentioned that, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Um, he said that we're, by identifying a player as, oh, we have to get a Latin player. Um, it already puts them in a, in a, in a group, in a sort of in a in a in a box in a category um we need to stop doing that as a as a country as a you know i mean you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things that divide us in in this country um culture being cultural differences and race being one of them when it comes to the game um i really wish that people could look past that but you know i i do believe that that that's in our DNA as a country. Um, it's part of our identity, so we should embrace it. I think it's interesting that um, I, I remember years ago, and I and I do remember. I think it was in the '90s, and I don't remember what the exact context of this. Um, but they were talking about race and sports, and they're saying if you're an athlete, if you're a superstar in whatever NFL, NBA, um, baseball, whatever it is, people don't see a race. Nobody saw Michael Jordan as black. They saw Michael Jordan. What happened to OJ too? Um, right, exactly. Up until, you know, uh, up until, you know, you leave the sport, then you may, you know, and you, you know, obviously OJ, OJ is a very, very special uh, circumstance there, uh, uh, revolving around everything that was happening around LA, but um, very special circumstance there, but. Usually when it comes to athletes, Americans respect their athletes for the most part. Um, and they usually don't see race. They see the player. They see the name. Tell, tell that um, to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, right. Well, like I said, uh, this is, again, because of, you know, the, the administration. Uh, this is where the divisiveness comes in. Um, but um, I think that um, a good player should just be a good player. Um, I know that's easier said than done. I know in our society, when it comes to maybe jobs or anything else, it's a little different. But when it comes to sports, I never really saw that. Um, I think it is unfortunate um, because I know it's true that it has to come to that. Now, I've also said as far as the Galaxy is concerned that, you know, why is the rest of the league signing South American players and we're not? And I've said this for decades. We need to look at South America. We need to go to South America. We need to sign South American players. Um, it's not necessarily that you need a South American player. You just needed to get out of that mentality of signing 
old names. Well, I think I think it's more. I, I think it goes beyond that. I think it's more of a style because there are definitely. Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about this. I think on on probably on our last time that we visited this um, topic is that you look at Europeans, you look at the Germans, and you look at they have the the German league has a style, and that's reflective of the 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 German national team. You look at Me- the Mexican league. The Mexican league has a style. All the teams kind of play similarly and that's reflective of the Mexican national team. A lot of the South American countries have a style within their league and that's reflective of the country that they're coming from. The the United States is such a huge mash of cultures that we don't have a true identity of what the United States is. Um, other than that, we're a melting pot and that doesn't mesh well when you're trying to build a cohesive style. I think that the problem is, and again, we have, um, talked about this on several occasions, but, um, the United States did have a style and it worked to a certain degree. And I think the, the, what happened was we wanted to be better. We didn't want to just hang on. We didn't want to get beat up, you know, for 11 rounds just so we can land that one punch in the 12th and win it. Um, we wanted to be the guy that controlled um, the, uh, the, the fight. We wanted to go out there and impose our will on the opponent. We wanted to make them adjust. Um, we wanted to be more attractive. We wanted to be more attacking rather than just to bunker down and let them run over us and just throw that counter punch. That's where we, our ambition kind of bit us because we didn't know how to do it. Um, and that's, we weren't used to it. And when we were challenged, um, again, this is the change. We, we resisted. Uh, we knew it, it probably would have been better, but there was just a resistance there that um, we couldn't get past. And it was very evident. Um, everything that Klinsman challenged them to do eventually they just did the exact opposite and look what happened at the end um it, it was uh it was almost i mean and we had talked about this the fact that they didn't make it and what we saw leading up to the game with being carried over like the puddles and and uh all these players are, are domestic it, it we did say you know what you, you kind of deserve this you brought this on yourself yeah. and um you know Again, at the time, we we were we were defending the players um, rather than defending Klinsman. Uh, well, not me, but we were defending the players rather than Klinsman. Saying, "Oh, Klinsman's just being—he's that mean guy. He he he's overstepping his boundaries. Shouldn't treat his players like that." And at the end, we started echoing what he had been saying all along. And now at least more people are on board with that and they understand why. Um, so hopefully um, whoever this next president is, they're going to have to take that mentality as well. Like, you know what? You guys may not want this, but this is what needs to happen. And a lot, of, a lot more people are starting to realize that that was the answer. But again, it's all about time. It's not going to happen overnight. Just because you take up that that mentality, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a smooth transition. It's going to be an extremely bumpy one. Um, and you're going to have setbacks and you're going to need a lot of patience. Um, so hopefully whoever 
wins this election is uh, is up to the challenge. Yeah, you you're gonna have to you know ripping that bandaid off is it, it there's we're in the we're in the painful part of that. <laughs> it's one giant bandaid and it's a it's gonna be a long time. Um, yeah, it's um it, it's it hurts everybody. I mean everybody involved with the program within um within the program uh, from, the fans yeah from the, the top down everybody. to the youth to the youth. It, yeah, it is. I mean, it is gonna. It, it's gonna be hard, and it's gonna be. But I, I honestly do believe that we'll come out and we'll be better for it. I honestly, I have to believe that. So, with that said, um, you know, again, not to, not because of anything, um, not because he talked to us, not because. Uh, uh, Kyle Martino uh, didn't want to talk to us, um, or we we you know we I I didn't reach out to Hope Solo. Maybe I should have, um, <laughs> but I honestly do hope that Eric Ronaldo wins because I do think that that's going to result in change, and I think that that's the change. That, but you know whether it's good or bad, the change is we need to, we need the change. Yes, we do. So. Um, the election is this Saturday. Obviously, we'll be we'll, we'll probably be talking about this uh, next week in our reoccurring uh, penalty show. Uh, <laughs> God, I can't wait for balls and beers to come back because uh, I really need something different to talk about. So, uh, with that being said, <laughs> uh, this is Elliot's our house penalty show. Uh, Lewis, say goodnight. Thank you for listening, everybody. All right, then. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye.